Are you feeling overwhelmed? Well, if so, you're going to want to listen to this episode of the Concast. massage therapist and welcome to the concast a podcast where we discuss all things health wellness and injuries in an attempt to better understand the human body in today's episode episode number 79 i thought it would be great to talk about the feeling of overwhelm mainly uh, because i'm feeling a little overwhelmed myself got a bit of a big life change coming up which i'll talk about in a couple of podcasts from now, but because I'm having this feeling of overwhelm, I thought I'd talk about some of the tools that I've come across over the last, say, decade that have really helped me reframe the feeling of overwhelm. And before we get into these tools, As always at the beginning of these episodes, I like to just Google the term that I'm talking about and see what we use as broad definitions of the term overwhelm. Overwhelm most commonly means to be overcome with emotion as a result of the amount of something. This might be the amount of work. This might be the amount of stress, either cognitive or physical, where it becomes too much to handle. Now, this is typically discussed from a negative connotation in that the feelings that we're experiencing are negative, but also this can happen from a positive standpoint. We can become overcome with positive stress or stressors or positive emotions. Now, for the purpose of today's episode, I'm going to be talking about overwhelm that's leading to more negative consequences. This might be an increase in physical stress, a decrease in output or efficiency at work, a decrease in your cognitive function or your emotional state. And the reason that I'm going to do this is that often when we are able to control the negative aspects of overwhelm, we're able to enjoy the positive aspects of overwhelm a little bit more, as well as We're also just able to enjoy life a little bit more. The key thing about the negative aspect of overwhelm also is at the time things can be perceptually negative or even perceptually positive, and then in the future they may turn into something else. So while something may be perceptually negative at the time, it may be sometimes hard to rationalize how something negative may in fact have a potential long-term positive implication or consequence to it. And so for me, that's always an interesting way of viewing overwhelm because it allows me to potentially take something that I'm seeing as negative at the time and reframe it into something neutral. And I remember having a really great conversation around food with Pam Roca in her episode. And one of the things that she said to me that really stuck that I never really thought about is this idea that food is neutral. 
And often with food, particularly, we punish ourselves if we eat something that we perceive as negative. Let's say it's a piece of cake or a bag of chips. And when we perceive things as neutral, they're neither positive or negative, they're just neutral. And if we make a, something that we consider to be a mistake, we move on from it and we push forward and we try and change for the better in the future. And I thought that was a really great message. And I've kind of taken that and was doing that a little bit with overwhelm as, as well, but tried to adopt that a little bit more with things as they come up and just see them as neutral at the time neither positive or negative. I think the other thing can often reign true as well, where we see overwhelm or these situations that are overwhelmingly positive, and then in fact, in the future, they can lead the other way. So seeing these things as neutral from the beginning has really, really helped me evaluate overwhelm. The other thing is that overwhelm is individual. I will not understand your overwhelm and you will never fully understand my overwhelm. It is very situation dependent. It is dependent upon things like life experience, our particular responses to stress, physical and cognitive, things like socioeconomic status and class, race, physical and mental health, family and social dynamics, the list goes on and on and on. So while I can attempt to show empathy, the reality of it is, is that I will never be able to experience what you're experiencing and you will never be able to experience what I'm experiencing. So having this understanding off the top has really taught me to be patient and supportive with people and not judge people. And I typically don't give advice or action unless asked for it. And this is, again, just really based upon my own personal experience and that when I'm feeling overwhelmed, particularly in a negative way, I'd rather have support than have advice. But these are my own actions based on my own experience. So let's get into overwhelm and discuss a little bit about when we're feeling overwhelmed, what are some tools that I've learned over the years that I think have helped me become a little bit more resilient to, to overwhelm. And I think that this has happened really over the last 10 years. And when I was younger and building my business, I really had this idea that I had to grind and I had to hustle. And I think this was largely related to financial gain and money. So when you're younger in your entrepreneur career, you're really built on building your business. And a lot of this has to do with just the messaging from, let's say, the internet or other people in entrepreneurship or other people in your industry talk about the amount of time that you have to put into building your business, the foundation that you have to put in, and really the amount of stress that you have to go through. And it's almost like a rite of passage in a way where you have to sort of incur this stress and you have to really, really hustle and grind and work all of the time. And the interesting thing is that as I got more and more financially successful over this 10-year period, probably from the age of 25 to 35, I became less and less happy. And I think a lot of that was the belief that financial success leads to happiness. And what we know 
in the research now is that it really doesn't. I mean, there is certainly, and this is dependent upon where you live in the world and to have your basic needs met, there is an amount of money for everybody that is important to them, but beyond that base amount, it has no further bearing in the research on your experience of overall happiness and contentment in your life. And I think I knew this inherently, but you know, for whatever reason, you would continue to chase financial success. And this led me to working probably 80 to 100 hours in a week for a three-year probably period until the overwhelm became far too much. And it was essentially winning, and it's almost always going to win. So this played a substantial role in affecting physical health, my sleep, my recovery, my cognitive health and stress where I became essentially non-resilient to any physical or cognitive stress. It would affect then my social relationships where I didn't feel good enough or well enough to go out and have social relationships. And for all intensive purposes, it just wasn't very fun. And so when you're overwhelmed to the point where you don't have a choice but to reevaluate things very quickly, it is both a blessing and a curse. And what I try and do now when I teach students is allow them to see the signs of overwhelm early rather than later and having that overwhelm build up to a point where essentially one event will cause a host of potential physical and, and cognitive stressors that you just can't manage. And one of the, the analogies that we hear a lot, and we use this in therapy, physical therapy and, and pain a lot, is the analogy of a bathtub or the analogy of a shopping cart, which is many of us have these perceived bathtubs or shopping carts for example, with a shopping cart, it might be something that we're pushing around. And in your shopping cart, you may have things like your job, your relationships, your physical exercise. And some of those things are positive, and some of those things are perceivably negative. And at some point, if you don't continue to manage your shopping cart on a day-to-day -day basis and add in some of the positive things or take out some of the negative things, these positive and negative things collectively get to a point where the shopping cart is too heavy to push. And even though it may be one particular event that is the last addition to the pile of groceries that you're pushing, all of these previous groceries that you're putting in your cart contributed to the fact that that cart became too heavy to push. And so I really, really like that analogy. And the bathtub analogy is the same. However, there's one thing that you put in the bathtub that causes the water to overflow. And I really like that analogy because it forces me to continually prioritize things from a dynamic perspective, understanding that things like overwhelm or stressors or life events are always going to happen. And this is a dynamic and fluid event and 
what is happening today does not have to happen tomorrow, I found to be really, really helpful. So I was forced to again change things very, very quickly. My cart became very, very heavy and I essentially was unable to push it. And one of the first things that I did when I was forced into this situation was really ask, why do I do the things that I do? And what is a priority for me? I'd been chasing, obviously, financial success for a lot of years and asked myself, is the money really what I'm chasing? And the simple answer to that was, was it wasn't. I was just chasing happiness like everybody else. I was chasing stability. I was looking to pursue things that interests me. I wanted to enjoy life from both a work standpoint, have a career that was valuable to me, but I also wanted to enjoy things outside of work. But for whatever reason, I just had my head down and I was not really paying any attention. I was just blindly going about sort of life in the everyday and not stepping back and evaluating. And obviously for me, that didn't really end up well at the time. So what I did when this happened was I started to change some things in my life, obviously, but I also looked at resources. And I'd like to share you two really, really important resources for me that helped me really evaluate overwhelm in my personal life as well as overwhelm in my professional life. And the first is a great book very easy read by uh, Greg McEwen called Essentialism, The Disciplined Pursuit of Less. And this book is centered around creating extreme criteria for what you do in both your personal and your professional life. And some of the summaries of this book are, first, learn the difference between hyperactivity and productivity which I think for me was really, really important. A lot of the time, and I see this with patients in the clinic, oh, how are things? Oh, I'm busy. Or things are really, really busy. Or if you talk to people and you, you've reached out to somebody that you haven't talked to for quite some time, how are things? The response is typically busy. And I would use the same word as well. But I guess when you say that word, does that mean that things are positive or things are negative or what is the association with the word busy we also see and hear the word stressed a lot oh I think I'm stressed or but could be stress and what does that mean are there are there more associative factors with that word that we could tease out that may or may not be beneficial to the circumstance that we're under and so Understanding that hyperactivity and productivity are not the same thing. Often when I was in that state of working, working, working all the time, I would take on things that weren't really valuable to me that would increase my workload. But in the long term, they had no perceived positive benefit to either my career or my personal life. So really, I was just in this constant state of hyperactivity and my productivity in working 80 to 100 hours a week was probably quite low in looking at it from an efficient standpoint. So learning the difference between those two and coming across another book at the same time or another 
way to go about your decision making, which I'll talk about in a moment, was really, really valuable for me. Secondly, discern the vital few from the trivial many. So the art of extreme criteria and what are those to you? What are things that you are going to accept in your life and make a list of those things or make a list of things that are really, really important to you? And then as things come towards you, looking at that list and seeing, you know, is this something that is part of my vital few or is this something that doesn't really work for me? An example of this might be setting out extreme criteria that you don't work on the weekends because you have a family and you want to spend time with your family. And then somebody comes and asks you to do a talk at a local gym and it's on a Saturday. Essentialism would say, this is not part of your vital few. You've set out this extreme criteria and therefore follow it. Now, the argument to that is some people would say, well, just do it this once. However, how many times will you say, I'll do it just this once? And I have been guilty of saying, I'll do it just this once too many times. And then before you know it, you look at your calendar and you have all of these, I'll do it just once things on your calendar. And all of a sudden you don't have a summer, you don't have any weekends, you're working through the weekend, you don't have any time for seeing friends, you don't have any time to take downtime to recover from the week. And all of a sudden, you are overwhelmed. So setting out this clear criteria. The next thing is, if it isn't a clear yes, then it's a clear no. So if this particular thing doesn't get you really, really excited, or you don't see any perceived benefit, then it's a clear no. Fourthly is apply a zero-based ownership and budgeting model. And what this means is, if you don't already own something, you don't already invest in something, whether it's a relationship or a physical entity involved in your business, for example, if we're talking about business, what's the absolute benefit of bringing that into your life? So it doesn't mean that you say no to it initially. It's all about, does this add something that's really, really positive and therefore it's worth evaluating further? But if it's something that already exists in a way or you feel as though this isn't going to add any perceived positive benefit, but it might add workload in terms of further stressors that you don't feel as though you want to deal with or it might take time away from something else, then you would move on from that particular thing or particular event. And really what this boils down to is the fifth takeaway from this book, which is setting clear boundaries in your life. So if it's one of those things where I don't want to work on weekends anymore, I only want to work a four-day week, I want to work out every day, I want to go on a trip with my children four times a year, you only are able to do that if you set these clear boundaries, which is really previously accomplished by those four points prior that I've just discussed. The summary of this book really leads to you doing fewer things more efficiently and creating that life around things that are only essential for you. And 
I am not perfect at this by any means, but I think reading this book has really, really helped me look at things that come into my life through a different lens. Because prior to reading this book, I would say yes to everything because that is the culture that I found predominantly online through trying to get advice in entrepreneurship, which was just say yes to as many things as possible as you build your business and your life because you never know what that can lead to. This is always an interesting concept because there is some truth in that in that you never know who's in the room, you never know what an opportunity can lead to and there's certainly been some of those instances with me where there have been perceivably very small opportunities that have led to larger opportunities. However, on the flip side of that, I would say that I used to take in way more of those opportunities that led to nothing than the flip side. So this has allowed me to clean up a lot of the noise in my life and a really, really great book and I highly, highly recommend it. It's uh, an easy read. It's something that you can read a couple of times. You often make notes. So Essentialism by Greg McEwen, one of the most transformative books that I have read. Secondly, at around the same time that all of this was happening, or maybe a year later, I had a really important conversation with a patient of mine that is very, very successful and has been very successful in both uh, personal and professional life. And we were talking about efficiency and work productivity. And he gave me this advice around the Eisenhower decision matrix. And for those of you that haven't heard about the Eisenhower decision matrix, and there are a few different books regarding this, but if you just Google the Eisenhower decision matrix, you end up with a four square matrix. So essentially uh, one big square with two hash marks, one vertical and one horizontal, which makes four boxes. And on the left-hand side of the decision matrix, you first have important tasks. So top line is important tasks and bottom line is not important tasks. And then along the top of the square, the first column is urgent tasks and the second column is non-urgent tasks. So this really gives you then four sandboxes to play in. The important and urgent sandbox the not urgent and important sandbox, the not important and urgent sandbox, and the not important, not urgent sandbox. So let's talk about the important urgent sandbox first. These are things that you want to prioritize in your life. So you want to do them immediately. This might be a really urgent deadline that is important to you. This might be your schedule for the day. And these are things that take priority. And often when we're procrastinating, and I'm really good at procrastinating, we will leave the important urgent stuff for something else. And then it only becomes more urgent and more important, which leads to overwhelming stress. So first box, urgent and important, do them immediately. Secondly is not urgent and important. We want to schedule them. So they're not necessarily urgent. They're not 
due or they're not something that's coming up in the next, say, day or two, but they are really, really important to us, so we schedule them. Maybe we schedule them for the next week. Maybe we schedule them for the year, and we just do that. We place it in a calendar, and there are so many different apps and calendars that people can use. I use Google Calendar. We just recently changed to it, and it's been really, really beneficial for me, but I don't think it's that much different than any of the other calendars that are out there. Now, the third box is the box that is the dangerous box, which is the not important urgent. So these are things that if you can delegate them to somebody else, then you would go ahead and do that. Or you just wait on them because um, they're not important, but they're urgent. And often they're perceivably urgent. We'll talk about that in a moment. And then the last box is not important and not urgent. And typically we just eliminate these or delete them. And so often what I'll do is when I have and I'm feeling overwhelmed and I have a series of things, I make a list of all the things that I have to do and then I characterize them in the Eisenhower decision matrix. And then I just make a list of the tasks that I have to do immediately, the tasks that I have to schedule, the tasks that I will either delegate or wait on, and then the ones that I will eliminate. And this has been so valuable for me. And this was a really simple conversation, but a very, very important tool to allow me to really organize my life and decrease the negative consequences of overwhelm. Because what I was doing, which um, when you look further into the Eisenhower Matrix, is a lot of us play in the sandbox of not important, urgent, because these tasks are often brought to us by other people that perceive these things as important and urgent. And while they may be important and urgent to them, they may not be important or urgent to us. So we have to assess these according to our own lives and how they create overwhelm for us or not is the basic premise behind this. So often that leads to a conversation of if someone's bringing a task to me that is urgent to them, but it may not be important to me, I will simply say to them, this is something that's going to have to wait and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. If they continue to press, then I really have to go back to essentialism and set clear boundaries for them so they understand that this might take a little bit of time before I get back to them. And I cannot tell you how valuable this has been for me in really decreasing the amount of overwhelm that I feel. These two little things have been probably the most profound tools that I have used in in my life. So if you want to look at them further, again, the book is Essentialism by Greg McEwen. You can just get that on Amazon or Google. And then if you Google the Eisenhower decision matrix, there's a lot more information on that. And I hope that uh, it leads to value for you, or you're able to at least take something away from it that helps you in a positive way. This really, these two tasks have really allowed me to be more resilient in dealing with unexpected tasks or stressors because the reality of it is is that while we try and have organization and structure in our life if you know that's something that you want and you do well with that a lot of things will come up that are unexpected 
and having the concept of extreme criteria as well as the Eisenhower decision matrix allow me to first evaluate whether this is something that I want to bring into my life and then where does that go in the box and it just has really really helped me a lot. The other thing that this has done is it's allowed me to bring stressors into my life and almost embrace them because the reality of it is is that as we know overwhelm is always going to happen this is something that's dynamic and while we go through periods of life that we're not overwhelmed in a positive or a negative way it will definitely happen in the future we also know that on the other side of overwhelm a lot of the time is personal growth new circumstances and situations which may help me in different areas of my life and I heard a quote years ago, which I continually go back to when even I'm taking in a lot of stuff. So I've gone through this art of extreme criteria and I'm putting things in the matrix, but the matrix is getting full and my life is getting busy. I really go back to this great quote that I heard by Deepak Chopra many, many years ago, which is all great things are preceded by chaos. So a lot of the time when life is getting busy and I'm getting stressed, I try and say on the other side of that is going to be some personal growth, an opportunity to reflect and be better in circumstances that are similar moving forward. Things that have also helped me is I do like to practice states of overwhelm. So I will, for example, take on things in controlled manners that will cause stress. So I may take on, for example, right now as we lead up to uh, my big course in October, I've taken on some speaking engagements where I can kind of sharpen the sword a little bit and they are in controlled environments. They aren't a two-day course. They might be a one-hour webinar where I can just gain more experience in presenting virtually because this is something that's really new to a lot of us, but I'm doing it in a controlled environment. I have a rule right now where I'm not taking on more than two speaking engagements a month. And so once those two speaking engagements are booked, I push the subsequent ones into the next month. The other thing that has worked really well for me is that when these times of overwhelm are creeping up, I want to take action when I see this happening as early as possible. So typically I will recognize it, I'll sit in it for a moment, and then I'll take action typically in the form of going through, again, those criteria steps. And then I try and calm my body and my mind in whatever way I can. And for you, it's going to be completely different. This is usually exercise that's really intense for me. So I overwhelm my body with physical activity to calm my mind. I enjoy the accomplishment of exercise. I enjoy the physical benefits of exercise post-exercise. And so this has worked well for me. For you, it might be something completely different. It might be playing with your kids, taking your dog for a walk, going to your favorite restaurant, going to your favorite hiking spot. And the reality of it is, is that nobody, like I said earlier, is the same. And everyone deals with overwhelm a little bit differently. You might be a planner, you might not be. You may enjoy exercise, you may not. But there are always resources, whether it be in the form of counseling, books, podcasts, meditation, your favorite person to talk to, 
But I found for myself when I take action to help deal with overwhelm, my outcomes are a little bit better. The last thing for me that has been really helpful is I, like many people, often compare myself to other others. I will see what other people are doing or what other people are telling me and I sometimes think, well, maybe I should adopt that way or maybe I should be doing what other people are doing. But I just go back to what has worked for me in the past and sort of reevaluate where I was and the fact that that was not very fun and where I am now and I quite enjoy where I am now and try to not compare myself to other people and understand that life can be predictable but life can also be grossly unpredictable. If I have the tools in place to help with my overwhelm, I seem to do a little bit better. So my question for you this week is, what have you done to help with perceptually negative overwhelm in your life? I would really love to know. I'm always interested in people's tools that they use to help structure their life or in times of stress or overwhelm, how they cope um, with this. So feel free to leave it in the comments below. As always, folks, I hope that you found this episode to be of value to you. Have yourselves a great weekend, and we will see you in the next one.